Will. Broadcasting from the Prairie Sportsman Studios. Presented by OnX. Know where you stand with OnX. <clears throat> We're not just a radio show anymore. Heck yeah. This is Sporting Journal Radio. All right, welcome to the show. I'm Brett Amundsen. Thanks for tuning in on this station right here by downloading the podcast wherever you get your favorite podcasts or uh, by listening on demand at sportingjournalradio.com. That's Dan Amundsen right over there. Dan, how you doing? Doing well. We are at Tobin Lake right now in Saskatchewan at Trails and Outfitters. We've been out here doing some fishing on the big lake and then traveling around the province a little bit, chasing waterfowl around. It's that time of year. Good things are happening. It's hard to decide if you want to fish or if you want to hunt. We just try to do both. Every- it's hard. It, yeah. Because we're staring at one of the best, not the best, but one of the best walleye lakes in the world. <laughs> you get yourself in trouble. Yeah, i got to be careful it's here. It's a good one. Uh, it's a great lake here in Saskatchewan, of course. There's a lot of good lakes. Uh, uh, the world record walleye through the ice came out of this lake right here. Uh, we love our lakes back home, of course, too. Uh, but this is a good one. We like being here. We like being surrounded by friends. And this week, we got our family up with us, too. My dad, Ron, is here. Also, your dad, Wade, is here. And also, Mitch Hunt, soon-to-be brother-in-law, is here with mm-hmm. us. And we're going to be talking to them about their time here in Saskatchewan. And uh, some have been here before. Some have not. Some some were here in 1956. Yes. wasn't me. I can tell you that. And they, they actually had... You were able to drive. You didn't have to walk up here, right? You were able to drive up here. They had vehicles. That was before I was was born. Okay. (laughs) Okay. I flew with the stork. Flew with the stork. All right. Well, we're going to talk more with those guys here in just a little bit. We're going to talk about, it was pretty interesting because uh, we came up here before the hunting season opened, which opened on September 1st. And on September 2nd, the USDA decided to ban the import of waterfowl back into the United States. So for hunters coming up here to Saskatchewan or Canada, they can't bring their dead geese, uh, ducks, whatever, back in the United States now to try to stop uh, avian, avian, the bird flu. Yet these birds fly into the United States with it. So we're gonna get, we're gonna dig into that a little bit. Uh, it was kind of a weird deal. We're not real happy about it, but we found a solution. It's not ideal, but it's a workable solution. We're gonna tell you what that is uh, coming up a little bit. Joe Henry will join us to talk fishing on Lake of the Woods. He was just up there with a a great veterans event. Had some really interesting people who have been past guests on this show, by the way, uh, that have some great stories. Uh, We're gonna talk about that coming up. And also uh, Eric Osberg from Ottertail Lakes Country. We'll talk about some activities that you can enjoy in Ottertail County during the fall season. Dan, who are our sponsors this week? on Sporting Journal Radio, the show. Good save. Thanks. <laughs> uh, first, we got Haybell Heights Campground and Resort on Devil's Lake. Book a trip to Devil's Lake. Maybe cast and blast for this fall. Learn more at haybellheights.com. Oh, excuse me. Ottertail Lakes Country. Find your inner otter at ottertaillakescountry.com. Lake of the Woods Tourism. Lake of the Woods is the walleye capital. Plan a trip for this fall or winter at lakeofthewoodsmn.com. Camp Grayling. Catch the Grand Slam Lake Trout Pike Grayling and Walleye at Camp Grayling in Saskatchewan. On X Hunt, nor you stand with On X. Mid Migration Outfitters, come hunt waterfall this fall at a heated 10 man pits and comfortable blinds. Learn more info at midmigrationoutfitters.com. And Prairie Sportsman, the new season wrapped up this spring. You can watch episodes anytime at the Prairie Sportsman YouTube channel or check your TV guide for rerun times. If you're an outdoor writer, a photographer, a creator, consider joining a GLOW. It's the Association of Great Lakes Outdoor Writers. We joined a couple of years ago. It's been great for us. We're actually uh, going to be joining uh, a GLOW as uh, as 
more more than just a member. We're going to be their communications team. We're starting that here uh, in just a couple of weeks. We'll be starting that when we're down in Branson for the annual conference. It was great for us. Uh, we've met a lot of great people. We've increased our business network and our contacts. We've gotten more sponsors. Uh, we've we've learned about some incredible outdoor opportunities. It could be great for you too. Find out more at aglowinfo.org, Association of Great Lakes Outdoor Writers. Um, we're excited to be down there. We're, 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 we're going straight to Branson after we get back from Saskatchewan. I think we need to, we can't have homes. Yeah. A home is a vehicle. Yeah, pretty much. We need a sponsored vehicle, by the way. So <laughs> we're on the road all the time. So if you are a truck company, get a hold of us. RV would be sweet. An RV. We I could just sleep in the back. You drive that. all the time anyways. It'd be like, uh, we should, what did uh, John Madden do when he traveled? Because he wouldn't fly, right? So he had a big bus, and then he would he would cook turduckens. So uh, it was a turkey. It was a chicken and a duck inside a turkey, right? So we could take we could do a goose, a duck, and a pheasant and do our own turduckens. Turf, turf. You might get fired if you try to say that. <laughs> and we'll travel around uh, between uh, Canada and the U.S. in a in our own uh, RV. Anyway, here for Sporting Journal Radio, uh, we're at Trails and Outfitters with our friend Barry Prawl up here. We're doing some fishing. We're doing some goose hunting. And and Dan, this was your first. You've been up here before fishing, but you hadn't been up here goose hunting before. Mm-hmm. And I've told you how good it can be. And uh, we we had a good opener, mm-hmm. and then it got a little tough. Mm-hmm. And there was a couple moments where you kind of looked at me when birds wouldn't work or it was a slow morning or whatever, and it was like conditions were not great for waterfowl hunting. But I, but I know you were doubting everything I told you about waterfowl hunting in Saskatchewan during those moments. Well, you know, so this trip, or a Saskatchewan waterfowl trip, ever since you see the videos every time, or this year, every year, around this time of year, you see Saskatchewan waterfowl videos on YouTube. And I've wanted to come up here. This has been a number one bucket list trip for a long time, and we finally got to do it. And you hear the stories of, oh, I just sat on a pickle bucket in a field. We didn't even hide, and we just had geese and ducks land at our feet, (laughs) this and that. And the amount of times in my head the first couple days, I thought, are we back home? Are we hunting stale refuge birds? Or what is it? Are we in Arkansas trying to shoot birds? They they were smart. Uh, But then it all started to to come together after a while and and it's it's legit it's a cool place um, yeah well and to be fair glad we're here there were not a lot of birds around and the the migration really hadn't started yet it was 90 degrees there for a while uh so it was a little tough but opening morning we did find a good feed of like 50 birds i think yeah when you called that a good feed in saskatchewan <laughs> i was also like okay have you done this before or? well it was early <laughs> And we're, you know, we just we just didn't find a lot of birds right away in the part of the province that we were in. But we got there and we hunted and we ended up seeing more than 50. We had more groups come in. In fact, you had birds coming in uh, to the spread before I was even back from parking the truck. And we could, we could start shooting at 530. Yep. And they came early. There's a three-pack. So I had to lay down in the middle of the field. I had Tiny with. So I got Tiny sitting next to me laying down in the middle of the field. And I watched you dump two of those first three. Don't know how you missed the third one, Dan. Oh, I missed the first one. Oh, I is that what I happened? I missed the first one. Okay. <laughs> I missed the, the cherry bird got away. Oh, no. Um, so then I joined you. We had another group right away. We ended up shooting a bunch of birds. And the, the, the highlight of the morning, though, was a flock of flock of geese were coming in. And all of a sudden you said there's there's two snows or something like that. So this this flock, I don't know, it's a dozen, 15 Canada's, whatever it was, and two Rossies. 
they probably worked the best of any other flock that morning, mm-hmm. but the two Rossies were the furthest away birds of the flock. And we had, we had, I know I remember looking up at one Canada and it was just like, it was like you'll land on the blind. It was so close. And what did we do? Got to shoot the white one. Shot the white one. Shot the two furthest birds. I picked the left one. You picked the right one. And then it pulled up on the Canadas, and both our guns jammed. So we also need a new <laughs> shotgun, shotgun sponsor. Right. <laughs> Just saying. So my, the one that I shot folded up, and I'm like, Dan, where's the other white one? And you, you're like, it's still flying. And you're trying to fix your gun. I'm like, what? So I turn around to look to see what the, the Canadas are doing. See if they're going to spin back around. Because a lot of times this time of year, they'll spin back around anyway. And I happen to look, and I just catch a flash of white. There was a shelter belt in our field, and I happen to catch a flash of white dropping on the other side of those trees. So you, you smacked it, you know, heart shot or whatever. It just flew a half mile and then fell. And uh, we had Tiny with, and then uh, the truck was halfway between us and that bird. I went back, put her away, grabbed Mika, and she went across that field and brought it back. So... Uh, it was a pretty neat experience for opening morning to be able to shoot a couple of uh, Ross, Ross's geese on opening morning up here in Saskatchewan. It was pretty cool. It was a cool start, and then uh, we got to have the family come join us for a few more hunts, and that's been uh, it's been an incredible trip. And we still have time. These guys got to go home, but we still have a few more days to hunt, and that's going to be good too. But this uh, this week's definitely been the highlight of the trip. This week, we're also filming for the North American Waterfall Show. Mm-hmm. So if you don't follow us on Instagram or Facebook, we've been posting a bunch of pictures on the Instagram page for North American Waterfall Show. And one of the reasons we're here is because uh, my uh, grandfather, Ron, Ron, who's my dad, uh, your dad, what's the matter, Wade? I believe you just called Ron your grandfather. No, I said because my grandfather... And I was saying, Ron, your dad was born here in the province, in Saskatchewan. And tell me about his family that was here in Saskatchewan. Well, yeah, they they migrated here from uh, Sweden in 1895 and uh, settled in Norway, I believe, and Lived there for a few years, and then uh, my dad was born in Norway as the youngest of a family of about five people, five brothers and sisters. And then they moved to, um, uh, oh, I have to take that back. They settled, they stopped in Minnesota first. Oh, yeah. And the, the older brothers, siblings were all born there. Then they came to Norway, and dad is the youngest one was born in Norway, or Fort Pelly, actually, 1906. And then they farmed there and, and actually moved back to Alvarado, Minnesota. So the connection up here was uh, strong. Uh, my uncle Algot, the oldest of the, of the family, never left Norway. He stayed there his entire life. He married the uh, daughter of a preacher and... Uh, the preacher said, told him if he uh, wanted to take her to Minnesota, he couldn't marry her. So <laughs> Uncle Algot oh. said, well, okay, I guess I'm stuck in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> but he worked there as a carpenter and built garages and what have you and had a locker in downtown Norway, which he kept, kept filled with uh, fish and uh, moose and bear and ducks and geese and what have you, deer. And that's what they lived on, yeah. pretty much. He could be in wor- He could get stuck in worse places. You know, <laughs> if he's going to get stuck because uh, he wanted to marry that woman, this is a good place to get 
get stuck in. I think he had a win-win on both <laughs> fronts there. <laughs> it's not bad. And then you, so your, was that your first trip here in 1956 then? Yes. Okay. And tell me about that trip. Uh, did Grant, did <laughs> your dad, Grandpa, did he say, hey, I'm taking you hunting in Saskatchewan. Get in the car. Well, tell me about planning for that trip. Like, why did that come about? You know, he just said, we're going to go to Saskatchewan. <laughs> we're going to go to Norquay. Okay. I said, yes, sir. Yeah. Um, fall, fall was always, always an exciting time anyway, and uh, you'd start thinking about it, as I'm sure Dan and Wade and mm-hmm. Mitch uh, do, you know, back in June or July, and start counting the days until the opening of duck season. And then when he mentioned a trip to Norquay for ducks, I, I really went into super excited overdrive. <laughs> anyway, we came up through uh, the Peace Gardens uh, in North Dakota, I believe, and up through Riding Mountain National Park. I was 16 and my younger brother was 13. And uh, so I was sitting in the, in the uh, passenger seat in the car. He asked me to help, we drove all night. He asked me to help keep an eye on the road as we got through Riding Mountain Mountain National Park, it was snowing hard, it was a blizzard. They were working on the road and they were working all night. So you can barely see the road and next thing you know, you're blinded by big uh, heavy equipment working, doing road work. And uh, I put my head on the side of the door and went sound asleep. Oh boy. (laughs) (laughs) Did not make a good impression on my father that night. What but anyway, of, we got here and... and uh, so 1956, what kind of... Do you remember what kind of vehicle it was? It was a, um, a 1953 Mercury, I believe. So it probably had cruise control and heated seats and... It had crank windows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. It, it didn't have many bells and whistles, I can tell you that. And we got up here, it was 19... 28 Ford or 38 Ford, a Model T or Model yeah, Is that what you were driving around into Duck Hunt? Was that, yeah, that the, car the, in the picture? The bog around Norquay was so bad that American cars or regular automobiles with the normal transmissions and, and real rear, rear wheel drive couldn't function in that mm-hmm. clay bog or wet bog. So the old Model T with its gear ratio and gear down and low gear, I suppose, was able to turn through that stuff. Interesting. And uh, get us where we had to go. And we traveled a little distance uh, to find the birds, but uh, my Uncle Al got new people all over the area, and even 20, 30 miles away, it didn't matter. And uh, he could call somebody and say, got any ducks over there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Season's been open for a month, but I got a field here that they haven't been touched in. So we got into some great shooting over there. Well, that picture from that hunt has always been kind of an epic photo for our family and always one that, you know, we've looked at on the wall there at home and, and said, gosh, it'd be great to go to Saskatchewan. And then finally got it, got to do it, started working with Barry and Trevor at, at Taz and started coming up here. And Barry's like, well, uh, you know, if you want to come up in the fall and, and you can stay at, at my place at Trails End and maybe chase some birds around and do some fishing or whatever. So we we decided to come up in 2018. So that was your first time back in 62 years or whatever it was. Was it just like you remembered? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> 
There I, were a lot, lot of birds in southern Saskatchewan. Well, you know what I do remember, though, is I do remember you leaning your head on the, on the car door and falling <laughs> asleep for most of the drive, so it's probably about the same. It's kind of a, I've got a habit of doing that. <laughs> so what's the problem? Is there a law against <laughs> no, it? No, there's no law. No, no law not. against it. <laughs> well, it was a lot of fun, though, um, having, you, having you up here and experiencing that hunt, and we shot... We shot a crane. We shot some Canada geese. I mean, we didn't shoot big piles. You were shooting a over-under or double-barrel or whatever it was, two-shot wonder there, and, and uh, we shot some birds. You caught the biggest pike of your life while we were up here on that trip. That was a fun experience. I didn't know if we'd get to do it again, but here we are. I think that was a 63-inch pike I got in there. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. The boys are laughing. <laughs> it was a 43 inch that weighed 44 pounds <laughs> I really wish I had my button bar right now yeah. wow <laughs> it, was a, it was a medium it was a medium yeah uh, oh that was a that was a great trip and I, I really appreciated uh, the opportunity to come up here so how would you now that this trip this year is about over which one I mean, this that was a great trip. This has been a, a, a really great trip this year. Well, we had to travel a little ways, um, but this turned out to be um, the best goose hunt I've ever had in my life. That 1956 trip, um, there were seven of us that hunted that year. <clears throat> my dad and my uncle and my brother and three of my uncle's friends. And... Uh, we carried out 125 ducks that year. Hmm. And, uh, I, you know, I was ruined for duck hunting in Minnesota after that. Yeah. Uh, even though we had some, we've had some great hunts in uh, Minnesota and Fergus Falls and Lac La Parle and what have you. Parada, Minnesota, Maple Mud Slough. <laughs> uh, but... Uh, it uh, we got an, I got up here this time for primarily for geese, and uh, as I said, I had to scout and travel a little bit to find them. But the boys did a good job. Burned a little gas, which I paid for, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And uh, found them, and uh, we got into this one morning. We got into a historic shoot. It was the best goose shoot I ever had in my life. Yeah. And I actually managed to hit a couple. You hit more than a couple, yeah. But thanks, boys, for including me. I appreciated that. Dragged along an old an old man, uh, kept him from falling in the ditch. Yeah, you got along just fine out there, and you were shooting great. And uh, it was a special time. I'm glad you were. I'm glad you made it. I'm glad you came. Thank you. So, and uh, thanks for coming, and thanks for for being on the show. And we're going to have you as part of that North American Waterfall show that people can watch. One, one quick story. All right. I almost didn't make it in. I couldn't find my uh, can pass card, <laughs> in, which was in my wallet. And uh, oh, I never boy. take it out of my wallet. Yeah. Because you never know when an emergency trip to Canada might be required. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we went through some real uh, growing pains there for a minute, or labor pains, I should say. Well, yeah, you guys woke up at 4, or you guys got up early uh, and left at 4 a.m. or whatever it was from Minnesota. And I woke up at 6.30 or 7, our time here, whatever it was, or 6, I can't remember. We were an hour behind you. And... I get him. I see him. I see a text message. Dad forgot his passport. 
It's like, oh boy. And then a second text message had come in before I'd, I'd read them both. I think, I don't think he's going to make it. And so I called Wade right away. And while, and so then you guys are feverishly looking for it. You guys stopped to look for it, right? Oh yeah. And we stopped at a hotel where Wade knew we could get online and uh, use their printer. And I had gone through my wallet two or three times. Wade went through it once. And uh, Mitch was standing there, and, and by the way, he's really welcome to the family now. <laughs> Kaylee done good. <laughs> Kaylee did good. He said, why don't you take everything out of your wallet? So I'm taking everything out, and all of a sudden that pocket where uh, I thought it was, and I, I reached in there and took out my Minnesota fishing license, and it, it was smooth on the edge, and all of a sudden that smooth piece moved and here was my uh north northwest or delta uh mileage card pulled that out and behind it was my can pass card so <laughs> thanks mitch thanks wade how long did that process go for oh days <laughs> <laughs> well all i know is i i feel like it must have gone for at least an hour maybe two and while i'm on the phone with wade saying what is happening you you guys found it while we were on the phone. It just happened to happen. So yeah. some divine intervention, maybe. So it, that it was. So here I am. Thank you. Thank you all. You bet. All right. Uh, that's Ron Amundsen, my dad, right there. Ron, thanks for thanks for coming. Glad you could make it. We're making plans for next year. So put that can pass in a safe place right now. I'll be now. 104 next year. That's <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right, we're going to take a quick break, but we, uh, we'll come back. We'll talk more about our hunts, how it went some special birds that we shot while we were up here that have some connections to Minnesota, as a matter of fact. And then we'll also get some fishing reports. Joe Henry will check in from Lake of the Woods and Eric Osberg from Otter Tail Lakes Country. 852 million acres of public land, 147 million private properties, all in the palm of your hand. The number one hunting GPS app just got better. With hundreds of custom map layers, 3D and topographic maps, you can easily scout on the road or at home before you go. And now you can get important weather details, CWD detection, and even know what crops have been planted where. Get the most trusted hunting GPS app ever made. Onyx. Know where you stand with Onyx. All right, we're back. Sporting Journal Radio. I'm Brett Amundsen. Thanks for tuning in on the network. By demand, sportingjournalradio.com or by downloading the podcast wherever you get your favorite podcasts. We're at Tobin Lake in Saskatchewan, ladies and gentlemen. It is uh, Trails End Outfitters is this beautiful log cabin that we're staying in. Find out more at trailsendoutfitters.com. That's Dan Amundsen over there. Dan, how you doing? Well, I've got a Diet Coke in one hand, a meat stick in the other, and someone holding the microphone looking at Tobin Lake. So pretty darn good. That's What's in that? It's not it's just... Diet Coke. That's all? And ice. That's, and can we talk about that on the radio or just uh, podcast? About having a drink? Yeah. You're 21. You're over 21. Well, it's 19 here. But yeah, I don't know. Some some people, that maybe the FCC gets weird. I don't know. I think you can talk about having, they didn't teach us that having an adult beverage. Your mom yeah. thinks it's weird. We're not selling well, it. We're just having one. And it's where we're at. It is uh, late in the afternoon. And we've had a, an incredible hunting and fishing trip up here. So it's allowed. I'll sign off right. on it. So I if have the a, FCC has a problem with it, tell them to call me. I, well, tell them to email me. I'm, <laughs> I'm in Saskatchewan. I can't take international days. calls. I don't know. <laughs> That's right. All right. So uh, we got our family up here. We've got some fishing reports coming up in a little bit with uh, Joe Henry at Lake of the Woods, also Eric Osberg from Ottertail Lakes Country. But first, we want to talk about a couple of things. First of all, we we haven't mentioned yet the uh, the USDA ban 
on importing waterfowl. So if you go across, if you go into Canada, they did this thing on the holiday weekend after hours, late at night on a Friday after we were already in Canada. It's not cool, man. A lot of people are upset about it. It's absolutely ridiculous that they're trying to stop the spread of bird flu by not allowing migratory birds that were harvested in Canada to come across the border in the back of pickup trucks when those birds can literally fly themselves across the border. It's from a little, according to, I think it was a DU article that I read about it. It was a little part of the USDA, uh, the plants and birds division or something like that. So I don't know. I don't know how long this is going to last. It came up late, but we kind of found a solution, Dan. Yeah. And, and, it is ridiculous, like you said, and it's a good thing I just got off the phone with them, and they were very nice and helpful, actually, which I didn't quite expect because this is absurd, and, and it's a ridiculous rule. There's no reason for it. There's got to be some other reason behind it that I don't really want to dig into today because I'll get really upset. Um, but I got off the phone with them because we had these geese after opening day, and this came out September 2nd, and opening day was September 1, and we were trying to figure out what the heck to do with them now. Like Mitch, on your way up, he sent it to me, and I was shocked. I couldn't believe it. Um, but according to the customer service rep I spoke with, he said, uh, if the birds are cooked, that is defined as processed. And I, I know that's not, that's a weird thing for some people. That's not always a definition of processed or processed since we're in Canada. Processed. Um, but that's what he said. He said they're cooked. So we found a solution. Uh, there's a local butcher shop here. And so we took a lot of our geese and, and made them into sticks. So they're cooked and we can hopefully bring them home. Which is awesome. But now with that definition, I mean, I wonder if a guy could even just make jerky. Well, absolutely. Or you could even cook it yourself. What, what I thought of is we could slow cook it or do whatever and freeze, freeze it. Freeze it. You know, bring and then it bring it across. So <clears throat> that's the definition I got. I haven't seen it in writing. I would like to see it in writing. I've reached out over an email to a few different people. I'm hoping to hear back to have it in writing because it'd be nice at the border to be able to show um, the, the border patrol and, and any agents there that might not know because this has been confusing for us and we know things with border rules, you know, that we've talked about with Canada and COVID at Lake of the Woods with Joe Henry a lot. They, it gets confusing and, and some ports know and some ports don't and some agents know and some agents don't. So uh, it's, it feels like a gray area, but that's the definition we got. Um, still waiting for something in writing. Hopefully we get that soon and when we do, we'll share it with you. I think the biggest trick is going to be just having to prove that it's been cooked so uh but there may be a solution if it's cooked it's processed and uh we're we're actually testing some of the sticks your brother wants one of those sticks yeah i do he's you just, just say that use your words it, you've got a microphone pointing at the, the zoom recorder here i thought something was wrong with our recording <laughs> didn't want to interrupt so that's that's wade amundsen that's dan's dad and my brother he's just trying some sticks there from uh from that local butcher that we went to uh wade this was your first time hunting in saskatchewan as, as well right it is it is indeed and you had uh you had a goal when you came up here i did your mom told you not to speak with your mouth full too late too <laughs> late so by the way i want to digress a little bit when dan gets crappy you just got to give him a big old hug we we only okay yes how did that answer the question yeah, it wasn't. But <laughs> the other day, Brett was talking. He said you were a little crabby. You were questioning a few things that he was doing. You no, were, I didn't. No, I wasn't questioning things he were doing. He was doing. What are you twit putting words into my mouth? You've done that all week. Yeah, but I do. Oh, I'm your dad. Wow. I love it. I wish we had a two-hour show now. You we guys got, just talk for we, a while. It's podcast. We can go as long as we that's want. That's right. 
little father-son interaction. What Sport and journal. When radio. Dan's eyebrows go up, <laughs> give him a hug. Dan hmm. loves hugs. He, uh, yeah. Well, you know, it was it was early, and uh, you know, we were setting. It was a lot of work. We didn't get much sleep, and uh, you know, it was, it was father-son bonding time. Always well, is. And you always tell me how. You just want to shoot geese, and you never shoot geese, so the pressure was on, man. Dan. I was feeling the pressure. I am terrible at shooting geese. <laughs> it is something that has been a problem for me forever. Dan was uh, Dan really felt he wanted to put you guys on a good hunt, so he was working real hard. And uh, I could tell he was getting a little frustrated that one morning when we weren't we, – the birds weren't working quite right. We weren't killing a lot. But I'll tell you what. We only shot two birds that morning. And one of them was a goose that you shot, Wade, and it was special because of what you shot it with. It was. You know, we talked about Grandpa and Dan's great-grandpa. He never shot a goose. And so as we came up here and looked at this incredible country, we set a couple of just basic goals. One was to shoot a goose with Grandpa's old Model 12 that was... Uh, assembled, built, whatever you want to say, back in 1913. We'd pulled that out once before and shot a goose, but never before up here in Saskatchewan. That really is the beginning of our heritage, our roots, whatever you want to say. But pulling that old, big old Model 12, 30-inch barrel, and uh, putting it out on a goose was pretty special. Yeah, and you know, like I said, you, it was nice. It was nice that you shot that bird right away because that was one of the goals, obviously. So it was good to get that pressure off to get that bird on the ground. Uh, were you a little worried because you haven't been on a lot of good goose hunts? Were you a little worried that we weren't we weren't going to get a good one after that? You know, I was pretty optimistic after hearing what you guys did on opening morning, but it seems like I jinx every goose hunt that I go on. So, my bar was pretty low. So, I was hoping that Mitch would get a, 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 a shot at a crane, but I really wanted to pull uh, the trigger on that Model 12. Yeah. And we and it was hot. It was 90 degrees for three straight days. It was strong, <clears throat> it was strong south winds, so we didn't have great migrating conditions. We didn't have a lot of local birds. So, I was, I was starting to get a little nervous, and then we smashed. Is that the best goose hunt you've been on? We have had so many birds. It's uh, it's unbelievable. You know, it was kind of nice in the morning. We'd get up, head out, and I could sleep in the truck, thankfully, because Mitch was along and Mitch was driving. But we could sleep in the truck, catch a nap, get out there, set up, and the birds were just coming. Yeah. It worked, and it was good. Uh, and I appreciate you coming up. It was fun. It was fun to see you shoot that Model 12. You can leave it here with me, by the way. I'll be all right. That ain't going to happen. The Saskatchewan government might not. I mean, there might be some forms we've got to fill out. But, uh, yeah, you left it with me once, and I got to shoot a goose with it back home. I was pretty uh, pretty happy about that. So, uh, But you, that morning, it was fun because it was a frustrating morning because we didn't see a lot of geese. We set up a migrator spread because we just we didn't have a feed to set on. We got permission for a field, so we set up for migrators, and then we didn't have any migrators. We were trying to run traffic on birds that were headed to a feed, and we ended up shooting that one single goose. And then all of a sudden, two cranes came in, 
and they ended up landing behind us, which wasn't ideal. And but the only guys that could shoot, I think, were Wade and Mitch, right? And Wade, you, you, <clears throat> you, careful, <clears throat> you did careful. not connect. Oh, but, here we go. My bird did not go down. Oh, so you wounded it. We don't know that. <laughs> Wait a minute. Now he's backtracking. So, so you shot it, but didn't wound it, but didn't go down. I'm just going to say I'm really thankful for Mitch's, you know, uh, shot cam. The shot cam. Because it did indeed tell me that I took some feathers off this bird, but it did not go down. Yeah, he just tickled a couple of feathers. And Mitch, I'll tell you what, that shot cam, I'm glad you brought that because that's been a lot of fun to watch. And you were part of the, what's the ultimate waterfowlers challenge? Yep. You needed a crane. I did. Did you expect to shoot it on the first morning? I didn't. No, I didn't. <laughs> I, I've been trying to figure out how I'm going to shoot a crane because Minnesota you can shoot them, but it's a really small zone, and mm -hmm. I don't hunt that area. Um, we hunt North Dakota where you can shoot cranes. We hunt water, so not really much crane opportunity there. You guys invited me on this trip. I knew there'd be cranes in Saskatchewan. I was very hopeful I would get one, but I wanted to be cautiously optimistic, and then sure enough, the first day I'm here, I get my crane, and... Then the pressure was just off, and then now we've been getting into some geese and has really made this trip a lot of fun. That right there, to me, is a great example of it's not about how many birds that you shoot, right? Like how big your pile is at the end of the day. We shot a couple special birds. We only shot the two birds that morning, but the stories, there's stories behind them, which to me is more important than how many how many you end up with at the end of the day. Uh, so shooting that crane was pretty cool. I love I love cranes. I think they're neat birds. They sound cool. They look cool. They're delicious to eat. And to have two land, and they're hard to decoy. So to have two land in the decoys, and, and one got away. But to have two land, two, two land in the decoys was, uh, was pretty neat. Um, have there been other uh, birds that you were worried about shooting that have been a challenge? There's a lot on the list, and we hunt North Dakota, and it's got a really good variety. So we're I'm lucky to have that area to hunt. But you know, widgeons there have been eluding me. That one's been tricky. I'm hoping to get one this year. Um, got to go to a lot of different places, which is a fun part of the challenge. I don't know that I would have gone without this kind of forcing me to do it. My yeah. buddies and I always talked about doing it, but now kind of having a, a more of a reason to do it. You know, we've been to Maine sea duck hunting. That didn't work out quite the way we wanted to. We got. Uh, some bad weather that made hunting pretty difficult, but we got some black ducks and we got some eiders and some scoters, but not quite what we were there for. Um, now we're going to Florida in January to get some tree ducks and some uh, cool. model ducks. So hopefully that turns out well. Eventually we'll have to get to Alaska. It sounds like you guys are going there maybe, but mm -hmm. pretty jealous of that. That one's going to be a ways out yet. That's uh that's a big trip, but yeah, yeah, there's uh quite a few on the list yet. I think I'm at 24 now with the crane. So getting there. All right. Well, I'm glad we could be a part of it and yeah. watch it. Uh, hopefully, we get a couple more cranes while we're still up here, Dan. Mm -hmm. That'd be nice. Um, you don't. You don't get. You don't. You more of a duck hunter than a goose hunter, or I am. Yeah, I pretty much always hunt water. Oh, so yeah, yeah. this field hunting stuff is new to me. I'm just used to you know go put the duck boat in, throw out a couple dozen mallard decoys, and see what you shoot that day. Um, especially in North Dakota, and you know we hunt some potholes out in western Minnesota. Uh, these fields are new. I've come out with you guys and hunt a little bit and hasn't quite worked out right. Um, it's fun to finally connect on some big field hunts. <laughs> we had a big hunt yesterday, but today, that was a fun hunt today. It was fast. Like, like yeah, half hour, tw what, 24 birds in a half hour, whatever it was. And that, that one four pack, I feel like it took them an hour to get across the field. 
Like they just came with their wing set the whole way across. How much fun is it to watch those big Canadas just do it perfect and go exactly where they're supposed to go in the decoy spread? It is just so fun to watch them decoy here. It's so frustrating in North Dakota. We see a flock come by and we'll take a couple honks at them. They're not coming. But to, for you guys to turn these birds and to shoot at them and turn the flock around and have them come back and shoot them a second time. <laughs> I love that. It's just mind blowing. Yeah. And seeing just the size of the flocks that are decoying, it's just my wildest dream. Some of the footage where the, the sky is just black with birds. Like, which one do you even aim at? Yeah, it's been a blast. Yeah, that's a lot of fun. There's been a couple of times where we've had to flock shoot once in a while because they'd ball up, right? It's fun to see Canada geese ball. You know, you do it with teal once in a while when or they ball geese, up over the yeah. decoys or, or snows. Yeah, but there's I know that that one time, Dan, you and me on opener, we had like a group of 10 or whatever it was. And when they came and they just, they were, it was like a, a side shot and they were finishing from right to left and they all just like, it became one big mass, uh, like one big goose. Or like, oh, let's aim for the middle. Yep. I think we dropped four out of that yep. group or whatever. Like two shots. <laughs> two shots, yeah. It was fun. Um, and we shot some pretty neat birds. Um, Mitch, you got to see some cool birds, including we shot three bands so far. And two of them were banded in Minnesota, which was pretty neat. Uh, that one from around the Austin area. Mm-hmm. Um, who did you who who got who I can't remember who Mitch is taking that one old. All right, yeah. so that, that was that one was eight years old or nine, banded eight years ago. Nine was an adult. at least nine years. At least old. nine. Yeah. I think it was banded nine years ago. Um, so it could be ten or older too. It was banded as an adult, so uh, at least nine years old. Banded by uh, Sierra McCarty. Sierra, yeah, yeah, that's cool. And then uh, and then one that was banded in North Dakota last year. Yeah, in uh, Tuttle. And then the next day. I ended up shooting one that was banded in a play is this whole, this whole trip is just so crazy because we're talking about our experience as waterfall hunters and our family's history and my first duck hunt I remember being 8 years old around Alexandria uh sitting there with a BB gun uh with one of my cousins and then grandpa with Helmer sitting there on his ammo box smoking a cigarette or whatever you know and uh and that banded goose that i shot this week was banded in alexandria like what are the odds of that like it's uh i mean it's you can't make this stuff up and Fun story i forgot to tell you this earlier i had somebody send me a picture they think they have a picture of that goose from alexandria from a few years ago <laughs> what yeah they think there's only a few numbers matched but they're pretty sure it's the same bird really mm-hmm. interesting mm-hmm. so i'll show you that picture when we're done wow yeah unreal well and so we got three bands we shot a quill first time i've I had a quill uh, in the spread that I've been hunting. Um, we shot a cackler with one leg. Yep. He had like a club foot. Club foot. So it wasn't like he ripped the band off and broke the leg on the way back to the blind. It literally had a, a wound healed over. Uh, and uh, and then the speck. speck. And that speck uh, came and we were sitting there. In fact, we were. I think we were filming, telling stories or something. All of a sudden we hear... And then everybody got real quiet, and Dan started calling uh, on a snow call, made a speck sound, and that single speck came right in, and we dumped it. And the way it worked, I thought for sure it was going to be a young bird, because a mm-hmm. lot of times those singles that just decoy, specks love, they, they react to calls so well. And a single like that, I expect, landed belly down, and when I picked it up and flipped it over, I thought for sure it was going to be full gray on the belly, but it, was, it actually had some nice black bars on it. It was a nice bird. So some cool birds. Some great hunting days, some of the best hunt, uh, goose hunting shoots you guys have been a part of, and uh, just good times with family. It's been uh, been a fun trip, and we saw Northern Lights. Yeah, incredible that was Northern Lights. That was that was incredible. We 
I could see them through my windshield driving down the road on the way, and we pulled over to take a look at them, and we're like, wow, that's pretty cool. And then, Brett, you're like, wow, t- you know, tomorrow's going to be better. So we went out there down to the beach, and that was unbelievable. All the way across the sky, dancing. There was some red in there. Yeah, it was just unbelievable. I've seen them before, but nothing like this. Yeah, it was fun to say. It was a short show, but in every part of the sky, you could see them. So didn't just have to look you know, north or whatever. Everywhere you look, there was northern lights. So it's uh, it's been a good time. Guys, I appreciate you coming up. What do you got there, Wade? I was just going to say, we've talked about birds, and it's been incredible. Yeah. But no one's talked about walleyes. Oh, yeah. Well, we caught some That's nice for next week. <laughs> that's for next week. And that's good. But I just got to say, we're here at Tobin Lake, and the walleyes have been wonderful. Yeah, we've eaten fish every night and caught some nice ones too. And it's just kind of a bonus, right? Like you're on a hunting trip and we can go on a world-class walleye fishery and pike fishery for that matter. It's uh, it's pretty neat. It really is. But sharing it with you guys, yeah. pretty special. Yeah. Pretty special. Absolutely. All right, that's Wade Amundsen over there. Also Ron Amundsen and Mitch Hunt joining us here and uh, Dan Amundsen. Guys, it's been a great trip. Thanks for being on. Uh, thanks for being on the show with us. I'll drink to that. I'll drink to that. that. (laughs) Amen. It's Miller time. (laughs) All right. Uh, We'll be back with some fishing reports right after this. Devil's Lake is legendary, and this summer has been legendary for walleyes. Don't miss out. Call Haybell Heights Campground and Resort today to book one of their modern cabins on East Bay. The cabins are furnished with a full bathroom, kitchen, and all the amenities like high-speed internet and are clean following CDC guidelines. Staying at Haybell Heights gives you full access to a private boat launch, fish cleaning station, and beach area. Learn more at haybellheights.com. That's haybellheights.com. Plan your trip to legendary Devil's Lake today. Now it's time to head up to Lake of the Woods to check in with Joe Henry from Lake of the Woods Tourism. Joe, how you doing? Hey, Brett. Yeah, I'm doing great. How you doing? I'm doing well. It's that time of year, Joe. I know Lake of the Woods is a fishing destination, and I know we talk about the hunting options that you can do up there as well, too. And if we have time, we can touch on those. But fall fishing should not be overlooked because, obviously, Lake of the Woods is a good destination this summer, but it's a great destination all year round, and fall fishing can be great up there as well. And you were just up there recently fishing, right? Oh, I was just up there. Yep. We had our annual, uh, eighth annual pay it forward veterans event. So, you know, we had 80 veterans out on charter boats and, uh, you know, fish and I can verify it. It's excellent. Yeah. Tell, tell me about that event because I love these, I love these veteran events. I love being a part of them. I think they're a big deal. They're really important. And the stories that you hear and the people that you meet, uh, it's, it's just incredible. I know a couple of times I've just sat back and, and not, you know, you don't say a word, you just sit back and listen to these guys and, uh, uh, you can't thank them enough half the time, Joe. Yeah. You know, I'll tell you. So, so this is, you know, we've, we've done this event since 2014. This is the eighth annual. We took one year off for COVID and, uh, the purpose of paid forward is to honor, recognize and celebrate all veterans and you know it doesn't matter if you are a decorated war hero and you were in the you know in the heart of it uh, over in afghanistan let's say or in vietnam or if you stayed stateside and served during a non-conflict time you know everybody matters and we want to honor all veterans and so we purposely try to get a lot of diversity we try to get men and women um people of different uh, uh, age groups people that have served um at you know obviously different times all the different branches of the military, and uh, and we all come together. And you know, I'll tell you, it's uh, it, this this event is free to veterans that are chosen, 
and it's free because of the generosity of Lake of the Woods Resorts, guides, charitable captains, small businesses, organizations, and individuals. And and uh, I'll tell you, you know, we talk about the magic that happens every single year at this veterans event. And I think what it is, Brad, is that you know we create the environment that's conducive to good things happening. And then it's veterans spending time with other veterans in the outdoors that is really the, the exclamation point. And that is what creates the magic, if that makes any sense. Absolutely does. And I've been to, uh, I, I've witnessed that and I've seen when a veteran from one era uh, gets together with a veteran from another era and all of a sudden there's two guys there that share relatable experiences, but from different times. And next thing you know, they have somebody that they can talk to who can understand where they're coming from, but not be completely familiar with the way things worked during their time in the service or, or during their time in, in, a, in a war or something like that. So it's like a different experience, yet the same. And they don't have the opportunity to talk to people like that very often. Well, 100 percent. And, you know, the other the old saying is either you need the party or the party needs you. And, you know, when you've been. And, and I say this being a non-military person, but when you've been in the military, you're part of a family, part of an allegiance that you just click with, with other people that have also been in the military. And that's, that's the beauty of it. It goes quick, but boy, I'll tell you the comments we get. Um, I just, some people, you know, open up at this event with other veterans and they haven't opened up before. You know, some veterans find uh, connections with you know, uh, veterans not groups or agencies, nonprofits that are very helpful. Some of them meet other veterans who are very helpful and conducive to them. Um, just meeting other people that might also be dealing with some of the same things you are, like PTSD or suicidal thoughts or, or just a number of things that it, it just really is conducive to healing and, and to better health and to better times. And, and that's why we do it, you know. And, of course, it doesn't hurt that we're, you know, we're on a lake of the woods. Uh, just about everybody I know limited out on walleyes. Just spending time on a boat in the outdoors, you know, for, for seven or eight hours is just really a, a special experience no matter who you are. Now you take a bunch of veterans you're putting on those boats, and yeah. it's, uh, it's good. It's good, good stuff. A few years back, I was at the Governor's Pheasant opener, and we ended up interviewing a veteran there. Oh, no, it was a... It was a veterans event. We were filming a veterans event. It wasn't governor's opener. It was a pheasant hunting veterans event down by Worthington. Uh, we were down there with Scott Rawl and he uh, had invited some vets and we ended up interviewing one. I started talking to this guy and he started telling stories. And next thing you know, you had all these guys who were getting ready to go back out pheasant hunting. They're kind of milling around talking about shotguns and whatever. Next thing you know, they all got real quiet and all gathered around. And pretty soon it was like, it was like doing uh it was like doing a live uh, show with a live studio audience, you know? like a talk show and it was Todd Van Langen and some of the stories that he was telling uh, were, were just, you know, blowing us all away. And I saw, I'm friends with him on Facebook and all of a sudden I saw he was headed to Lake of the Woods to do some fishing. I wasn't sure what he was going up there for. And, and turns out, Joe, he was going up there for your event. You know, yeah, Todd was, Todd and his wife, Eva, were a couple of our special guests. And, uh, you know, Todd is a, uh, you know, he's a, a decorated war hero in some regards. You know, he, so, so Todd, uh, he was special ops, um, served overseas. He was Green Beret. I think he has three bronze stars. You know, uh, um, he's a sharpshooter himself. In fact, for those of you that have watched the movie American Sniper, uh, Todd was the actual spotter to the American Sniper, uh, Kyle, in, in real life. And, 
and uh, but he's also a sharpshooter himself, very decorated. And you know, he he did tell us stories to the veterans about some of the different situations he had been in overseas and how hard it is. And and you know, it, it's important to take away some of the messages that somebody like a, a you know Todd Van Lingen says to the veterans because he's been there, done that, right? And you know, uh, we shot an episode of Midwest Outdoors on a on a charter boat about our event, and, and Todd and Eva Van Lingen were on our boat, and you know. Uh, I had both of them look into the camera, just knowing that that's going to reach lots and lots of people and, and, and give a message to the veterans. And, you know, in all cases, it was like, hey, listen, you know what? I know that I know that some of you have been through tough times. I know you might be struggling now, but the veterans groups are out there. Other veterans are out there wanting to help you. You have to reach out for help. You have to get the help you need because this isn't easy and you can't always do it alone. And they, they talked about it. How Todd talked about how one person told him when he was desperate. One person told him, Todd, you can't do anything to yourself. If you do anything to yourself, you're letting the bad guys win. Yeah. And we can't let the bad guys win. And Todd just said that just kind of stuck with him and he shared that sense. And so it just, it, you know, th- those are the kind of things that kind of messages that, you know, our, our hand picked you know, speakers share with other veterans and, and really all veterans are sharing, sim- not all, but a lot, a lot of the veterans are sharing similar messages. Um, Eva Van Lang and also Todd's wife now, but, you know, she is special ops and she shared stories about uh, some of the situations she's been in with suicide bombers who, who wore a suicide vest and, and approached their group and, and hit the button and just a, a lot of tragedy. And you can understand why PTSD and nightmares and night terrors and sweats and and not being wanting to be around people and anxiety and all these things can be part of you know being a veteran you know one veteran told me brett uh you know i might have left vietnam but vietnam hasn't left me mm. and uh, there's just a lot of stuff that we have to deal with is unfortunately a sacrifice for freedom and you know we we, we owe it to be open-minded with our veterans to make sure they're getting the kind of help they need um, and, and this event, there's a lot of veterans events out there. There's a lot of them. We are in no way, shape, or form competing with any event. We're simply accentuating, you know, uh, um, and doing everything we can to help veterans just to do a little bit better in life, heal, get the help they need. If nothing else, just enjoy a little bit of fish on Lake of the Woods. It's, it's good for a lot of reasons. I got a lot of respect for those guys. Can't thank them enough. And uh, anytime you can help them out and uh, get them in the outdoors and get them around other other vets is important uh, for, for everybody involved. Uh, it's paid forward up at Lake of the Woods. And obviously, they were up there fishing, Joe. They were catching fish. How were they catching them? Yeah, you know what? Uh, three different ways. Uh, the majority of people were drifting with spinners. Um, some uh, some of the boats pulled uh, downriggers and crankbaits, and there's even a few boats that just anchored up and uh, or drifted and jigged. And uh, you know we went uh, we went up going north, so, so we went up actually all the way to the northwest angle and fished up there. Oh, wow. uh, one day was kind of windy, so we wanted to get out of the wind, and um, the next day we just knew there was a pile of fish up there, so we fished our way back in some different spots. You know, some of the people have never been to Lake of the Woods, and some of them said this is a bucket list bucket list trip. I never thought I'd be able to go on. Um, it was pretty cool to hear their reaction. Pretty fun to see the smiles when they got that rod in hand, that rod's bent, and, you know, they're filling a cooler full of walleyes. Of course, the walleye fish fry. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know, uh, we happen to have that. Uh, we have different resorts that, that contribute to this. Our walleye fish fry happened to be at Riverbend, which you know well. And, you know, they, they not only do the walleye, but they do the in their own batter and, you know, in their own tartar sauce, but they do the bacon and the fried onions and 
Oh my goodness! You know, better making me hungry, Joe. We, yeah, we happened to have a real nice night that night, and we did that. We had everything outside, including the guest speakers, and, and so a lot, lot of resorts, uh, a lot of businesses and organizations contributed to this event to to make it possible. And you know, it's kind of cool. I should mention too, Brett, if there's any veterans out there, or if you know a veteran who would be interested in, in an event like Paid Forward next year in 2023, our website for Paid Forward is is simply Paid Forward. L-O-W for Lake of the Woods, paidforwardlow.org. And, uh, you know, we're, we're a, a 501c3 under Wally Master Charity Events. And, and you know, 100% of the money that comes into the organization, 100% goes to the veterans. And I think that's very important. Very good. All right, Joe. Well, if people want to plan a trip to Lake of the Woods or be a part of uh, Pay It Forward again uh, next year, uh, give us those websites. Yeah, well, you know what? The, if, if you want to be part of that, pay it forward. You can look at our, the application and all the information about it and dates and such um, are at payitforwardlow.org. And, of course, if you want to find more information about, you know, fish on Lake of the Woods, fish is on fire. It has been all summer. Fish are starting to move into the river, we believe. The river fishing is going to be kicking up here real shortly. Check out our website, and that is lakeofthewoodsmn.com. Northern Minnesota's Walleye Factory is a year-round world-class fishing destination. The perfect getaway this summer is just a short drive to Lake of the Woods. Fish Big Traverse Bay, the Rainy River, or visit the unique Northwest Angle. To catch big fish, you have to go where the big fish are. Plan your trip to Lake of the Woods at lakeofthewoodsmn.com. That's lakeofthewoodsmn.com. there are more than 1,000 lakes in Ottertail County? Yep, and I'm gonna fish as many as I can. I'm an outdoorsy otter. Nothing beats a full day of fishing for me. The lakes of Ottertail County give me plenty of options to lower my boat and snag the perfect catch. Not an outdoorsy otter? No problem. Ottertail County has something for everyone. You just need to find your inner otter. To find your inner otter, go to ottertaillakescountry.com. All right, now joining us on the phone is Eric Osberg from Otter Tail Lakes Country. Eric, how you doing, man? I'm pretty good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Dan Amundsen is uh, with us here, too, of course. And uh, we're excited, Eric, because this time of year is our favorite time of year. Obviously, fishing is just going to keep getting better. But not only can you go fishing, but there's so many other uh, hunting opportunities. And Otter Tail Lakes Country is, of course, a, a great place to do that. Maybe you just want to go watch the leaves change colors. I'd, I'd assume there uh, maybe there's a, a random tree here and there that's starting to turn a little bit up there. It's, it's funny you should mention that. I was just up in the northwest corner of the county today, and I was like, yep, it's begun. You know, there's a tree there, and there's a tree there. They're not. But you can see it. It's starting to happen. And my advice when it comes to fall, and, and this would be whether you're looking for fall colors or fall fish or fall birds or fall deer, here's my advice. Ready? All right. It's better to be too early than too late. That's true. So, so again, whatever your whatever your autumn adventure holds, just because you can always come back. Well, right? that's like if you miss time. Yeah. If you miss, if you're too early for the leaves, well, they come back in a couple <laughs> weeks. Or if you're too early for the birds, or too early for the deer, or whatever, right? If the fish aren't biting yet, or they're not where you want them to be yet, you can always come back. So come early, come off. That's that, my advice. Well, that's the beauty of it because if you do end up coming too early, you can always come back, and then whatever your activity is, if you're going fishing or whatever, you can, now you got two fishing trips. You got two chances to go out there exactly. and catch big fish. Yeah, I love it. Just 
tell your boss, tell your family, bring your boss, bring your family, whatever you got to do. Just say we're, the first trip is going to be you know, a recon mission. We're going to learn what we learn. And then, and then when we come back later, we'll have it dialed. Yeah. Now, I've always struggled with whether or not I want to go hunting or whether I want to go fishing, but um, particularly musky fishing. Like, I've never been a great musky angler. Uh, I've, I've filmed a couple of shows on it. I've watched people catch some nice muskies. I grew up with a cabin on a muskie lake in northwest Wisconsin, and I caught a couple muskies as a kid just when we were out casting for bass. And I was like, this musky fishing's easy. Come on, give me a break. I haven't caught right. one. I haven't caught one since. And uh, after filming that episode with Randon Olson up there in uh, Ottertail County, and I think we were there in September, I'm anxious to get back up and do it again. So I think uh, Dan and I and Randon and hopefully you, we're going to go do that again and chase some muskies around uh, here in a couple of weeks, probably around the waterfall, because I think we're going to hunt waterfall in Ottertail County on opener this year. Uh, some of my family, Dan's been going up there. They've got a kind of a family tradition in Ottertail County. Uh hunting ducks on the opener so i think we're going to go up there for that and then maybe try to do a musky trip how, how have you been out for muskies at all eric i have i have i i was out not yesterday or anything like that but within you know about a week ago um and i took my boy willie and i took one of his buddies ben we we were trying to get those two fishing all summer and it just never worked and we had a friday night where it lined up and and so we went so we went and uh I, I felt a little bad because i was just trying to run the boat for the boys right like willie was on the bow slinging whatever he was slinging ben was in the back slinging his bait and you can only run a boat for so long before you bend over and pick up a rod right <laughs> yeah. and and so i did a few it wasn't like the first time or the first cast but i i was not casting much and it was funny because, and I don't know if you remember fishing with Randon, but he talks about doing ovals instead of figure eight. Right. Like when he, when he comes into the boat, he does does just does a big oval. And so I wasn't really even paying attention. So I was throwing a double cowgirl, and I was cranking in, and I was you know, and I was kind of looking over my right shoulder. I don't know what I was looking at, and I just naturally started to do an oval right by the boat, and boom, this fish just smacked it. Like I didn't see it. I didn't know it was coming. Right. I didn't. <laughs> it just boom, and and. And Willie's screaming at Ben, get the net, get the net, get the net. And it wasn't a giant. It was like 40 inches, um, but it was a healthy 40 inches. Sure. And those boys, they, they, it just, it made their day that we got a muskie in the boat. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, obviously, they would have rather have caught it themselves, but they were still pretty jacked up. And so, so yeah, that I've been muskie fishing and, and I, I just caught one last time I went out. That's awesome. And uh, I know the, the, magical mark for muskies is 50 inches but anytime you get a fish yeah. over 40 i don't care if it's a pike muskie lake trout whatever it is anytime you break that 40 inch mark that's a big fish and that's a big strong fish uh to be handling and netting and and taking pictures of or whatever releasing that's a big fish and if if randon so are you as superstitious as Randon when you had to get the net to, to get that muskie out of the lake? Did you have to pull like some sort of lure out of the net first or dig it out well, from underneath somewhere? Did you have it ready? So so Willie, Willie is superstitious, so he threw a lure in the net early <laughs> in the day. And then, and then we tried a little reverse psychology. We were like, well, maybe they're on to us, so we got to take the lure that we threw in out of the net. So there was not a lure in the net when we netted that hmm. muskie. It was it was a clean net. It wasn't it wasn't telescoped, right? Like it wasn't you know. So the Ben, kudos to Ben. He had the 
grab the net and telescope it and get it under the, you know, basically I just had to hang on until Ben got the, the net under the fish. But, but no, you're, we, we do participate in the lure in the net uh, superstition yeah. uh, every time. And then, and then on this particular case, we went reverse of that. So it worked. Now, did you happen to notice, was it, uh, was there a, a certain moon phase while you were fishing? Were you fishing during majors or minors or anything? Was it evening? Was it daytime? What, uh, and did you it see any other evening. fish? It was, it was evening and, and, and I don't, I can't remember if it was a major or a minor, but I do know that moon rise and sunset were really close. Hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I, and, and I think we had, so that's, that was our, you know, that we, you know, as my buddy Matthew Parker always says, the best time to go fishing is when you can. Yeah. And so, you know, that's when we went. But we were jacked because we were like, well, we're getting a sunset with a moon rise right about the same time, within minutes of each other. And I, I think, I think it was pre-moon rise or right at moon rise or right after. It was, it was right around. So I don't know if it's a major or minor. Um, I think it was a minor. But anyways, so there was a, there was some, fa- there was some phases that that we were excited about and we caught a fish. So sure. Did you, did you see any others, any follows or anything? No, we had no other, we had no other follows. We had no other, we had no other encounters other than that one. And it was, you know, it was one of those typical deals and here's not that I don't sound like a salesman already, but I'm going to take it to the next level. Now, one of the beautiful things about living in Ottertail County or close to it is it was, I worked Friday, you know, I think I didn't pick Ben up until like five o'clock. That was my goal anyways. Maybe we were a little early and we got out to the lake, you know, six o'clock by the time you're fishing, you know, and it was eight, nine, you know, eight thirty. You know what I mean? So the reason I bring that up is we didn't have any other encounters, but we only, we only put three hours into the bit sure. and we caught one. So that's, you, you've attested to it already. You've been on many a muskie expedition and come back with nothing. nothing. Yeah. And so the fact that there's there's a limited number of lakes around here that have a decent enough population that you can take two kids out in a boat on a Friday night and catch a muskie, I think that's pretty cool. Well, Eric, I call it living at the cabin. A lot of people have a cabin that they yeah. can get away to and escape to. I just moved there. And I like living in a place where I can play every single day, whatever exactly. I want to do. Exactly. That's, 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 a, that's, a, can we steal that? Can we put that on a t-shirt? Or <laughs> Absolutely. Or on a billboard? You that, bet. Yeah, you're living at the cabin and it's, it's, it's a good life. It's a good clean life and, and fresh air and sunsets and world-class deer hunting and arguably world-class goose hunting anyways. For sure. Good waterfall hunting. I mean, if you're into the outdoors and you're not spending time in Ottertail County, and you mentioned it early, the fall colors. I, I'm not. I love Duluth. I love the North Shore. I love northern northern Minnesota. And I lived in Duluth, but the northwest corner of Ottertail County, Pelican Rapids, Dent Highway 108, Maplewood State Park. If you haven't seen that yet, I, I'd highly recommend you put it on your fall foliage list. It's different, and and it's pretty and hilly and lakey and. You, you can just drive it. You, mm-hmm. you can drive through Maplewood State Park and not even get out of your car and be like, wow, that's pretty. Yeah, that'd be no fun, though. You got to get out. And I plan on spending a lot of time up there. We're going to be fishing. We're going to be waterfall hunting, actually filming a, a bow hunt for whitetails while we're up there this fall. I'm excited to do it. Eric, if people want to learn more about Ottertail Lakes Country, what should they do? 
They can find their inner otter at ottertillakescountry.com. Sporting Journal Radio is a division of Macaba LLC. If you've got a question, comment, or story idea for us, send us an email. Go to sportingjournalradio.com. While you're there, you can learn how to advertise on the show and visit our store for hats, hoodies, coffee mugs, and more. Go to sportingjournalradio.com.